So tonight we will uh, try to answer some of your questions. And uh, actually there are many questions, so we may not be able to, uh, to go through all of them. So we keep notes and uh, at a certain point I am sure you will, you will have no more questions anymore. So at that time we can, <laughs> we, we, we can uh, entertain you. One is about the capia or so regarding the sado's need or the question is is it appropriate to make uh, offerings to the sado? If so, what is suitable and what is not suitable and what is the right uh, procedure? So uh, monks they don't accept food after twelve o'clock. So you should know that if you want to offer something that is eatable or uh, it should be before twelve o'clock and uh, then they can, the food cannot be kept uh, for overnight so that's why before 12 o'clock it has to be given and uh, if you offer uh, medicine then uh, some medicine are allowable only for one week so after one week it's not uh, uh, it's not allow allowable anymore and some medicine are good for the life so how to distinguish be between those two types of medicine maybe you can ask like if you are not sure you can ask uh, uh, the capia of the third, like uh, Justin, Justin, he is the capia, one of the three person who is in charge for the monk. So one of them is uh, especially for the third. So you can ask him, you can give the medicine to him, or something like that, so that you are sure that he will, uh, he will have it properly. And also, uh, it is not suitable for monks who accept money. So mon uh, monks cannot accept money. They cannot uh, deal with money. So they cannot buy anything. They cannot sell anything. So in case you want to give him a tower or something, you think a pair of slippers or something that you would like to give him, but you 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 don't have here, and uh, you think, oh, maybe he can he can buy a letter or something. Then uh, the pro the procedure is that uh, you go to the capia and then you you hand down the funds to him and uh, you tell uh, the seller, okay, now uh, I have given uh, funds, I would like to offer you a pair of slippers and uh, I have given the funds to your capia. So whenever you need, you ask your capia and he will, uh, he will uh, purchase for you. So this is, that's the way. And uh, does he eat chocolate? He does not eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so is it clear about that? Like if you are not sure, then you can ask the capilla, you know, what is suitable or if it's not suitable. Hmm? Uh, also, there is a note that uh, we had from one of you concerning the, the questions last week uh, that uh, relates to the brain uh, research by, by science, by scientific and uh, then my answer was not uh, very complete because I am, I, am, I am not in touch with uh, these things uh, too much. So here the inform one information concerning the uh, very important project uh, in regard to uh, brain uh, research. Uh, they give the name of the, the principle in that uh, the well-being study. So it is a reference of uh, a center. Uh, is uh, it is uh, anyway here is the the project is called the well-being study and uh, Richard Davidson is the principal investigator and 
contact for investigation so if you if you look at the internet for the contact for center for investigating LT mines and the, the address will be uh, on the board if you like to take it so it is the center for investigating LT mine at the Wisconsin University Medicine and also a note also that uh, like the question was related is the is the brain study done uh, purely on a biological uh, level? And uh, I was not sure. So actually, that project is concerning many aspects of the of the uh, of the brain function, but many aspects of all our uh, uh, beings. So research are done regarding uh, uh, epigenetics study and uh, also assessment of happiness and health and and also pre-post study of the effects of a day of intensive meditation, etc., etc. Et so the results are expected only uh, not before one and a half year because they have a lot of information, a lot of data, and they have to put that together. So you can wait, you know, there is no hurry to, uh, to, uh, to look for that. And uh, by the way, also, the, it seems to be quite uh, a project because the... the the, the financial support for that has been an investment of seven billions of dollars. So we will put the address uh, over there. So another question is, uh, in walking, do we need to harmonize the leg movements with the in and out breath? Or just do not forget the breath? Be mindful of natural breathing during walking. So the one thing is that uh, it will harmonize by itself. Like if we are walking just for the body, then the body will uh, will uh, will uh, supply, will stimulate the function of the lungs to breathe uh, as it needs. So we don't need to harmonize the the leg movements with the in and out breath. Like also. Uh, uh, also, like we just the the, 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 the purpose of our, of our practice is to observe phenomena as they are. So, if we are walking, we know the body is just walking. So, the more we uh, practice, the more we see different aspects of the body. And uh, if we practice the meditation on breathing, then the main focus is the breath. So, uh, so uh, those two things also are related to the mind. So we have three aspects of uh, observation that uh, that, uh, that have to be considered. But the, uh, one aspect is that uh, the, that we are not here to control, but just to observe. So uh, we don't need to, to make an effort to, to match the breath with the body or to match the body with the breath. And uh, that question might, ar might have arisen because uh, I said to somebody that uh, if uh, the breath is not very obvious, like for some reasons the mind has, is very preoccupied and has been very busy. So in that case also, if you are in the middle of a very uh, demanding activity, at that time, uh, the subtle breath or even the breath itself is not uh, easy to, uh, to perceive. So at that time you can be aware of the body. Uh, and then from the body itself, you will see that the body actually is not separated from, from the breath. So. Uh, from the body, you go to the breath, and then from the breath, as a physical whole process, 
you are you become aware of a subtle breath where it is entering and where it is going out from from the nostrils so from the grass uh, to the subtle it's also like for example if uh, uh, if you want to observe the the wind coming out of a fan if uh, for some reason you are not uh, able to to identify the intensity of the wind so first you just you just uh, be attentive to the fan the, the electric fan and then by watching the fan or by controlling the fan then you are aware of the of the intensity of the of the wind so in that way so the conclusion is that uh, we have to be mindful of the natural breathing during walking. Please talk about the difference between mind, there is a lot of written about this, and heart, almost no writing. Is heart essence of mind or something completely different? Is there a Pali word for heart? So there is a Pali word for heart, and uh, if it, it can refer to both the, the physical heart and also uh, an aspect of the mind. And the word is a uh, hadaya with the H. So. Uh, as we have in English, huh? we we have in English a lot of relation from the uh, from fr with the art and with the mind. So sometimes we say, "Oh my, I have a, a, I cannot give my heart to this uh, cause," or "I have a, um, I have this in in my heart," or "I have a broken heart," or "I have a, how to say many things that we are using for the heart." You know, no, no. Like for example, uh, well, I don't remember, but uh, I have art. Art is connected with the mind, and uh, in that sense, with the English language, art also is connected mostly with the emotions, like the our emo uh, the emotional aspects of the mind is uh, is uh, is what we have in heart. Like something is taking us to heart. So in Pali also, the, there can be that parallel of uh, heart uh, in the sense with the with the with the word of adaya and the heart, uh, and also the mind. So the mind itself in Pali is called citta. So citta also is can be translated by heart, and uh, and then it connotes just the emotional aspect of the mind. So sometimes you have. Uh, uh, those two terms that are uh, uh, that can be uh, interrelated, and uh, sometimes also the the, the the chitta also has many uh, many aspects and also some uh, synonym like mano and vinyana and uh, and other words, but uh, but uh, the, the it's uh, two different words that also can connote the, the same meaning. And actually, if you look, uh, if you want the very precise details, the, in the dictionary of Pali, uh, English, uh, written by uh, Rice Davis in the library, then uh, surprisingly enough, there is about three pages on that. So it is very interesting because she's ma they, they make the relation with the uh, very uh, details of uh, etymology. So you please consult. But there is a relation with uh, the heart and the, and the mind.
Yes, with all my heart and a pure heart. And, uh, yes, that's it. Yes, the citta, the seat of the thought, the center and focus of emotions and intellectual uh, element. So the other question is, what are the conditions to create or establish the light of concentration to be bright, brilliant and radiant, as stated in Park Book, Knowing and Seeing? So first we need to create, first we need to establish the light of concentration itself. So our object has to be very clear. So when our object of meditation is very clear, then it is uh, supporting also the, 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 the uh, good basis for the mind to be clear. And if the mind also is uh, very clear and uh, very alert and concentrated, then the then the light of concentration also will increase. Like, uh, for example, uh, a normal light, if you don't put enough voltage in the, uh, uh, in the uh, feeding uh, electricity thing, you know, then the light would be very feeble. So, uh, but if you put enough voltage and the light bulb also has a potential for high uh, voltage, then the light will be bright and, uh, and radiant. So it is the same thing with our mind depending on the objects that we have, then it has the potential to go for, for 100 watts or 200 watts or something like that. But also, if uh, the input, the electric input that we put in the mind, that means the quality of the mind, uh, if it is uh, very good, then it has more chance to support a very bright light. So if the mind is not uh, calm and concentrated enough, then the, the light also will not be concentrated and will not be a very bright and, and brilliant. So the more the mind gets concentrated, calm and clear, then the more also the light, uh, the object, as the, uh, the light as the object will be, uh, will be clear and, and brilliant. Like the more you go into, uh, into uh, concentration, deeper level, then also the, the, the more the, the object becomes bright, brilliant, and elegant. So, each is the owner of his kamma, with a question mark. When we share the merits of our practice, or we extend our metta, we benefit from these acts. How do the recipients of our deeds benefit? With material generosity, it's easy understandable, but an, uh, but an explanation uh, or of mechanism to this will be much appropriate. So, of course, when we share merit with other people, when we share what we have, we also benefit because we get the joy of sharing. This is our advantage. So they say in English that uh, uh, if you have something and then you give to others, then uh, it makes you double, uh, well, you get double of your goods. So 
So how do the recipients of our deeds benefit? So if you have something and you give something to someone, like if I have a clock and I give it to you, you will benefit by it. So uh, we shall not analyze the reason, the chemic reason why you are getting my clock, why I give them to you. This is out of question, but you are benefiting out of it. Uh, you are benefiting uh, out of that. So uh, when we are sharing merits, then, uh, then other beings also are benefiting from it. And, uh, we then f about merits, we need to uh, to give more uh, of uh, we need to give more uh, explanation about what it means. Like you have different aspects of merits. There is the merit of uh, the merit of wealth. So if you are rich, then uh, that means this is a kind of uh, I mean it's not a merit, but it's something that is your in your possession. So if you distribute some of your possession then it's a material a sharing. But what we call merit is something else. And uh, there is the merit in giving, the merit in charity. So it's not only the fact that you are sharing your possessions, material possessions, but it's this in the sense that uh, you are sharing a part of your mind that is uh, benefiting from the act of sharing. Because when you share something, you are very joyful. You don't feel greedy. And then you are very happy because you are making people happy. So that happiness and that state of mind, uh, you are sharing it with others. So chari charity begins with a, with, a non with a very generous mind. But also the fact of giving also brings you uh, quality of openness and uh, lightness and freedom and uh, you feel very good. So this, this is the merit that you are getting from the, from the generosity itself. And then we have also the merits that, that can accrue from the practice of sila. Huh? Like uh, after the precepts we say, okay now, may uh, I share the merit with uh, all the beings. So what is the merit? Is the merit, of course, you are we are making uh, meritorious uh, deeds when we are not harming uh, anyone and that uh, we are observing a morality which is, uh, which is benefiting everybody. That's obvious. But uh, the merit we get out of that is the state of mind. So when we are non-remorseful and then when we are very uh, peaceful because of our good uh, behaviors, then this is the merit. Once, uh, once I, I visited an hospital in Asia, in Myanmar, and, uh, and then there was a doctor there that was working, you know, just uh, without a salary. You have many people like that over there. And uh, they just give their service. They are not expecting a salary or just free. So uh, uh, then the doctor had us visit the hospital. And then at the, uh, at the end, he was saying, oh, you know, because I think some of uh, our uh, group, they were wondering about uh, why that doctor would do like this. And, uh, then he explained to us that uh, he was doing that for the merit. And then he said, we cannot buy merit. So merit is something that we are getting inside. It's a, a mental result of, a, of a good actions. And this also can be shared. Like the word for merit is a punya. And, uh, like uh, when we are in Asia, in Buddhist countries, uh, 
when there is a donation somewhere, you probably have seen that uh, by yourself. Uh, after the, seri after the, 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 the donation is done, then there is the sharing of merits. And uh, people normally, they use water and they pour water in a vase uh, and then they chant something just to symbolize the act of sharing the merits. So everybody, after the, the, the donation is done, they gather together and then they think about their actions and then they are sharing the merits while they are, uh, they are uh, uh, chanting or w when they are reflecting. So at that time, at that time, uh, other beings also are benefiting from that. And uh, sometimes we don't see those beings. So I will... Uh, there is a story in the... I think it is in the Sangyutta. I could not find the reference anymore, but uh, the, it, it's about a king and, uh, and uh, Bimbisara, I, I, th I think. So he went to the Buddha one day and then he told, he told the Buddha, uh, well, it's very funny, in the night time, uh, uh, I go to bed and then it's just full of, of noise in, uh, in my uh, room. Like uh, there is some banging and, uh, and like uh, a big, big noise from outside, like a lot of noise. And then he cannot sleep because of that. And uh, for several days this happened to him. So he asked the Buddha, what, did, what is this? Like I can't see anything. So the Buddha said, uh, oh, actually, uh, it is the, those beings who are very hungry for your uh, merits. So it is the relati your relatives that have passed away and they are, uh, they are wanting your merits because you are not sharing the merits that you are having. And since that time the king, when he was doing a donation then mentally, and also he was putting his mind in, in a state of sharing, and then he was sharing the merit that it, he had, uh, he had gained. Maybe this is also the, uh, the reason why uh, in the Buddhist country that uh, ceremony is done. And the, the, what is happening actually is that uh, the reality sometimes we, don't, we cannot perceive very uh, subtle uh, aspect of it, but uh, uh, there are different planes of existence first of all. And uh, this is not uh, obvious to our normal eyes. We think that no, we just have the human plants. But of course, there are animals. We can see that. And uh, other types of plants, uh, other types of realms that uh, we can be aware of. But also, there, there is the realm of uh, spirits and deities and uh, gods and uh, also the, the, anim the, the, the hungry ghost. And uh, one day, maybe we will explain the different planes of existence. But anyway, there are some uh, planes of existence that are not uh, seen by, by our normal eyes. And also there are some planes of existence that are feeding out of our physical energy. Because the body is just, uh, uh, it is energy. So depending on the mind, then also the body is emanating a kind of vibrations, if we can say. Oh. So, like uh, when we practice meditation, also then the, we sometimes the light is coming out of some people. We we feel that there is light coming out of our body. So that's a fact. So this is the the the, 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 the energy produced by the mind. So because of the purity of the mind, for example, also uh, uh, there is the merit of meditation. So we have the merit of charity, the merit of uh, sila, but also a merit of meditation. So when we have uh, 
good meditation, this is also a type of merit. So when we are practicing metta bhavana, this is also very meritorious because the mind is very pure, and then we extend that sharing. Uh, I mean, it's connected with uh, with uh, sharing very much uh, with sharing benefits of uh, of a pure mind. So those are things uh, very subtle uh, on which uh, spirits or other types of beings can uh, can feed out of. The same thing with uh, with the, our bad moods or our bad uh, states of mind, other beings also can can uh, can feed from that. So there are some beings that are they, they feed out they feed out of your anger, they feed out of your greed, and so they like it when you are very really upset, and they, they are feeding out of that fire. So, but this is not a meritorious state. So it's very rare to be able to do merits. So here, when you are practicing meditation. You are doing some merits, and uh, just the fact by, of meditating, you are benefiting uh, uh, some other realms that you may not be aware. So, whether you believe it in it or not, uh, it is up to you. So, also regarding merit, uh, there are some funny, like it is so important in the Buddhist world that uh, that uh, that it is used uh, by the by some people just to remember of the merit they have done in their life. So when they die, you know, the way they are accomp accompanying the, the dead, the, the, de the dying people, I mean, if we are to relate it to psychology, there are some kind of uh, aspects that, that are related to that, but uh, we will not uh, develop on that. But the, 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 the thing is that uh, when people are on, dead, on their deathbed over there, very often, the relatives, they will, they will come and say, Oh, do you remember when you gave me that? Do you remember when you did that good deed? And do you remember when you did that other good deed? And they put the, the person in a very positive uh, frame of mind. But by reminding the person of the good deed that the person has done previously, and this is uh, very positive. So the person gets very happy because he remembers the good things that the person has done. So that's an aspect of, uh, of merit. And also the kings, you know, like in Sri Lanka, or I think everywhere in Asia, the kings, because they are very powerful and very busy, they, and also they, sometimes they have to do things that are not so awesome, uh, they, they will write all the deeds of merits that they have done during the life. So they will give that donation to that monastery or that big donations to this uh, orphanage on and then they will write it on the book, huh? and then when it comes to a serious moment, when they are to, you know, at the end of their life, then there will be someone with the book and reviewing, reviewing the account of, okay, now, you, you know, on this date and that year, you gave, I don't know, thousands of uh, rupees to, uh, to this institution, and then you give that to that person, and uh, everything. You know? so, so it's called the Book of Merit in Singala. Yeah. So uh, I think this is enough for the merit. Here, what is the difference between the Patimokkha and the Vinaya? Is the first the core subset of the second? Yes. So 
the uh, the Patimoka is a collection of the rules that are explained in details in the Vinaya. So we have the Vinaya Piteka, and uh, this is a collection. Of, this is a book, or these are the books where uh, all the stories came uh, as to how the rules uh, came to be uh, appearing in the Buddha's. Uh, So another question related to the Kamma. It is said, each is the owner of his Kamma, the ear into his Kamma. Some text seems to suggest that there are strong ties, Kamma-wise, between children and parents. Please help me understand this point a bit more. So... So the attachment or inclination of the mind the intention and the motivation is, uh, is this is karma itself, chetana, the will. So the will is, uh, is, is attracted towards what wants to achieve. And uh, uh, it is colored very often by attachment. So we, are, we can have attachments towards uh, doing things, but also we can have attachments towards people. So and very often there will be a rebirth according to the interest of, uh, of the person when, he, when uh, the person is dying. And then he will be reborn in a, in a plane of existence where all his interests will be, uh, will be uh, uh, more, uh, will, be attuned, it will be attuned to his interest. Although sometimes he may not uh, be interested to go to hell, but uh, because he has uh, uh, nurture uh, a mind that is very unwholesome, then the result will be that he will be attracted to, uh, I mean, he will, naturally he will, he will follow that, uh, that type of rebirth. But uh, also the attachment we have to people because we, have, we are doing things together or like with a f especially in a family uh, circle, there are ties that are very uh, strong of a relationship. And uh, those ties are not uh, broken easily. So when one person, when there is death, then the rebirth is uh, can be in function of the of the attachment uh, one had towards uh, other people. So there are stories where uh, the the parents die and then they are reborn as sons or daughter of uh, uh, of their daughters, and then the, it can go for life and many lives, many births that that can occur uh, in that. And also regarding to plane, sometimes there are stories that. Uh, Someone will die, and uh, then he will he will be reborn as the dog of the house. So, the attachment will be there, but actually the planes of existence will be different. So, uh, this is one uh, one aspect. I read the story about the two monks, one of whom saved salt for another meal, and he has chastised for it. I too tend to plan for the future too much. Any advice? So I think to planning for the future is not, is not a problem. It's just that uh, we should not uh, live in the future. So if we have a plan concerning the future, we can just put it aside somewhere. I mean, in either in our head and, or to write it on a piece of paper and then just forget about it, just knowing, okay, now that's my plan, but it may work or it may not work. It does not, uh, it's not sure. 
So if plans are just occurring, just uh, work on them and finish them and then uh, drop away. But knowing that uh, you are not in the future and the, 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 the it's just a plan, so you are here and then the mind is planning. So, uh, so if you plan too much, try to plan less. Because anyway, uh, if you want to know if it was a plan or if it was not a plan, so uh, if it doesn't work like you were planning, then probably it was a plan. <laughs> Please, why is stated in Knowing and Seeing that we should never do metta meditation with a diseased person? Is it because the pictorial uh, symbol we are using does not exist anymore? Yes, this is because the pictorial symbol does not exist anymore. Because when uh, someone dies, then uh, there is an automatic, uh, in, in the, the, rebirth is, the rebirth is there automatically. But uh, the plane may be different, so the future of the person may, 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 may be uh, different. So this is why we cannot use the symbol, because the, the symbol may not be the same. However, we can share merits, because wherever the person is reborn, then by thinking uh, about the person, it can be linked to his, uh, to his karma. It can be linked to his, uh, to his life, wherever it is, and uh, it can be he, he, or he can, or she can benefit uh, from it. With my brains, intellect, I can explain myself and overcome the hindrances quite well and great and gently. But in my heart, the wanting and restlessness arises again very easily. So to calm the entrances, it has to be not only with the intellect, but uh, it has to come with the heart. That means we have to, uh, we we have to to live the tranquility. We have to re to live and to experience a sense of uh, of calmness and uh, and everything associated with that. So how can we develop through an authentic patience? So the question is uh, rela related to the, in the heart, the wanting and restlessness uh, arises again very easily. How can we develop through an authentic patience? So the thing is that uh, because we want to develop it, then we cannot develop it. Like uh, it's like you want something else. It's like uh, I would say, uh, it's like if you I don't know if that person has been a mother or not, but uh, I'm not sure. So if you take a mother, and uh, the mother is having a, a child that is hyperactive and then very tricky and nasty and all the time doing things that uh, that is uh, requesting a lot of patience. So, how do you develop true and authentic patience towards your child? It's not by getting rid of the child. It is by allowing the child to be as he is. So, the same thing with our mind. If we don't try to, uh, to control the restlessness so much, then we, we, we can be with it, and then we can understand it, and then uh, either we live peacefully with it, and it does not, uh, it does not bother us, and uh, by itself, the restlessness also will change. So just by being with the restlessness, not wanting to, to, to change it and to have something else, then uh, we can overcome it. 
if it's not, if there are no other means to do it. But the question was related to the patients. So I think the patients, uh, we can take examples of, uh, of parents or teachers. They are very patient with, uh, but especially uh, mothers, I think they have uh, that quality. How can we balance gentleness, compassion and patience towards our mind and body? capacity with a sense of urgency, not to waste any time and try as much as possible. So it is the same. That is uh, So now we are in the field of comparison with family. So it's like a, you have a mother and child, like in the old days, huh, the, the families were very big, like 10 children or sometimes 20 children. So you can imagine the, the work of a mother. And uh, like a, there, is a, there is a story about uh, two kids. I mean, it's a, it's a modern story. Two kids and then they go to school and then one kid asked, it was at the time where the, 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 the woman started to, to work uh, outside. So the kid asked his friend, is your mother working? And then the other child, he says, no, she has no time. <laughs> because she is too busy at home. So, uh, the per like if we take a, a housewife who is in charge of uh, 10 children or I mean, 15 children, but I think even five children would be enough. So uh, the, the, the mother has to be very patient with the, with the children. But when it comes to the time of meals or something that is demanding immediate actions, then, uh, then the sense of urgency is there and she is not fooling around. Now the, 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 the meal needs to be prepared and, and then this is the, it becomes a priority. So. Uh, the sense of urgency make us uh, uh, be aware of the, our priority, so we can be still gentle, pa patient, and uh, and uh, all of that, but maintaining a sense of urgency that is okay. What predominates? What needs to be done? So when we have that in mind, then we do it, and then we don't think so much. Like we don't think so much. We don't lose times with the on unnecessary uh, activity of the mind. So what is also the opinion of, uh, my opinion of a suitable personal middle way? So it's not my opinion, but uh, uh, a suitable personal middle way, actually it just depends on the person. So we are all different. So some people uh, will have uh, this standard of middle way and some other people will have uh, that standard of middle way. For example here, the facilities that we have here, if you take, for if, if you compare, for example, uh, uh, in some countries or, you know, like, I don't know, in Asia, uh, then the meditation centers or the, the conditions may not be as good as here. It's very noisy. It can be very noisy, and also, you know, you don't have uh, 20 types of tea to choose, uh, <laughs> and uh, three or four <laughs> bottle of marmalade, things like this. 
you just have one and uh, you, you have to cope with uh, with a very uh, little amount of uh, supply so uh, for them if the if they were to look at the conditions you are having here it will it will be uh, luxurious they will call that uh, they won't call that the middle way they will see, they will say they may they may say that i don't I don't say they will say but it's possibly it's possible that they will say no this is an extreme of uh, of comfort hmm? but uh, if you take somebody who is having a huge house and then he is having two or three cars and uh, you know the you know the rich people some rich people all the, the, the their life can be so that type of person if he is coming here he will just complain about everything because because it's not the standard of his uh, of his life so a personal middle way it has to do with the person so we have to see okay now what is my possibility and what is the how do I uh, stand between indulging, indulging in sense pleasure and, uh, and uh, making myself uh, suffering by overexerting, by, by torturing uh, myself? So actually the middle way is between uh, those two, two extremes. In knowing and seeing regarding the enlightenment factors, Sayadaw instructs that uh, when effort is ins insufficient, one should develop only investigation of Dhamma, effort, and joy. When energy is high, one should develop only tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. So, uh, I tried to explain that uh, last time, but uh, here the question is, how is this done in our practice? So we should divide like the tree on one side and then the, the tree of the other side on the other side. So we have uh, on one side the the factor of energy and effort that is uh, seen in the investigation of dhamma and effort and joy. So if we if we tend if the mind is too tranquil and the mind is too concentrated, then we should put uh, energy and then also we should investigate the, the, the our meditation and uh, see what is uh, we we have to motivate ourselves just to wake up and to make some effort. So this is goes this goes in in the field of investigation and uh, effort, but also in the field of joy. Like sometimes we are just got we are just completely bored and everything is became it becomes so uh, mediocre so if uh, the joy is not uh, arising from the effort which will be natural then uh, you can if you are bored with your meditation uh, subject then you can uh, temporarily change the, the the topic of your meditation and think think about something that is inspiring to to, to you like uh, uh, some things like uh, some people who are like you think about the buddha you know, like if you think about that, the question also the other time was, okay, now shall we uh, shall we is there a difference between uh, following a spiritual life while being completely committed to the world, or 
is it better to uh, to follow a spiritual life completely renouncing and outside the world hmm? you remember that question so and then the person was saying would not those two paths be combined together so when we think about the buddha then he was a person who renounced all the wealth he had and all the pleasure and all the life of of satisfaction he could have in the society to find something deeper as a spiritual uh, meaning for the for the for the dilemma of uh, life and uh, death and uh, sorrow and uh, all the diseases that are obvious to our uh, eyes so he renounced that and then he became a monk and he became a recluse but just for five years five or six years uh, about that amount and then the rest of his life for about 45 years he was just serving everyone completely devoted to anyone that will come to him day and night he was just serving not only human beings but uh, all the other beings he was in complete service so thinking about that it's uh, it is very inspiring and also thinking about uh, what he was teaching like he was not teaching a superficial uh, theory he was teaching something very practical and really going to the roots of the problems because he had investigated the roots of the problems so thinking about that type of thing motivates us and the motivation that it brings to our uh, practice uh, uplifts our mind and then gives us inspiration and then the inspiration is, uh, is bringing joy so this is uh, due to effort so by changing the meditation uh, subject we can be motivated enough to, uh, to orient our mind direct our mind to something that is uplifting because when we are discouraged and then bored it means that there is not en enough energy there is not enough of enthusiasm and also then on the other side if there is too much uh, if there is too much uh, energy and uh, joy and things like this then we are not uh, able to uh, to calm down and uh, there is agitation so at that time we need to calm down a little bit by by practicing uh, subject of meditation that will calm the mind and by which we will gain uh, some equanimity some balance of the mind so i think we can you can try just uh, by practicing and trying by yourself what what are the causes that will bring me energy and what are the causes that will bring me concentration and how can i balance the two too much enough energy and enough concentration because not enough energy will lower the quality of your concentration and too much concentration also will uh, uh, will diminish your energy level because the mind will get uh, too calm so you have to find so can you please uh, talk on what is what it is that does and does not continue after that so before uh, we look at that question the we have to be reminded that uh, there are many types of death and uh, uh, in some places the the death are classified in four or five but uh, uh, actually we can say also there are two classes of uh, death so you have the momentary death and uh, you have also the conceptual death so when we die then we say okay now that person has, has died or we have died 
because the body and the life faculties are not there anymore. So this is that. But also there is the temporary death. And uh, when we practice uh, insight meditation, then we see actually that uh, this body is just uh, arising and perishing all the time. And uh, the mind has the same quality of arising and perishing all the time. Like if we look at the, the candle flame, huh? if we look really uh, accurately, uh, accurately to, the, to the flame, then we just see that that flame is just a combustion of, uh, of heat generated by, uh, by the burning of the weak, the weak, the, the weak, no? And, uh, but th that flame itself is not permanent. It is constantly arising and passing away. So this is for the material phenomenon. Our, our body is just composed of molecules and just, uh, just a combustion of, uh, of uh, atomic or subatomic uh, energies of particles and uh, very, uh, very subtle uh, things. So uh, uh, if we are to look at those uh, particles, like uh, comparing to particles then uh, in the in the Abhidhamma theory, the, those particles are called uh, the Rupa Kalapas, and they are the tiny uh, particles that is uh, uh, forming all material formations. So these uh, tiny uh, particles arise and perishes uh, always. So when they are in the state of perishing, then uh, this is also called death. So, uh, the same thing with the mind. So, in fact, we are dying all the time. There is a process of death, like there are dead tissues, and we all the time there is a the, the, the death is there constantly in our body, like a river flowing. We cannot see it's a, the river is there all the time. The river is always is always having new water. So this it is the same. Just because of our food, the food we put in our body, then the, 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 there is the, the, the food arising from the energy of the of the of the food when we put also minds, uh, uh, mental energy also, then the, it is also influencing the, the body. But this is uh, always arising and passing away. So uh, the question is, uh, what it is that uh, does continue after that? So in our life, we have uh, the, the life itself, the, the phenomenon can be classified in many ways. So we can say there is a mind and matter, uh, this is the classification of Namarupa. We can see also that uh, we are composed of the five ag aggregates, the uh, body aggregates, and then the perception, the, the sense of feeling, the mental formations, and the consciousness. And uh, we can also divide uh, our analysis into uh, uh, the, the bases. There are six bases. And uh, also we could divide it in the, in the elements so we have the, all the four elements plus the element of con consciousness and the element of space. And also there are, can be also other divisions uh, in regards to elements. So uh, this is uh, the way that uh, our analysis can be uh, classified. So what is happening after that is that, uh, is that the, it is just the karmic force that is that is pushing uh, the energy into another life. But the body itself is, is, is dying, is dead. So we are not carrying one body, the, this body, to another life. The body is dying. And, uh, but the mental force that is carrying that process uh, finds another uh, 
conditions, other conditions where it can take rebirth again. So, uh, so as long as the karmic force has not ended, then all the time there will be a rebirth. So what is uh, uh, rebirthing? What is taking birth again? It is again only the five khandhas, or only the, only the mind and matter, or only the, the six uh, base, or only the, the, the elements themselves. But uh, uh, it is just a dynamic process. So as long as there is a push, as long as there, there is a energy going in, in towards uh, one direction, then all the time there will be arising and passing away. So death, actually, the actual death process is nothing very special because we are dying uh, every every time. So now we can we are dying, but when we are moving, we are not the same. Like if you are sitting and then you go over there, then the going itself uh, implies that uh, that the the, the 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 one you were when you were seated is not there anymore. So the death is always a process, a continual, uh, a continual process. It's like also like uh, the candle when you, uh, when we have uh, one candle and then it is lighting another candle and then with the same fire you can light another candle. So uh, the energy of the fire it just gets distributed. It just get uh, it, it can multiply. It can change from one candle to another candle. So. Uh, it's about it can it, it it's it's like that. Here is it's my understanding that jhana is something we are. It, it is something we receive rather than seek. In that sense, can you speak about giving and receiving, as well as gratitude? It is sometimes difficult to express gratitude, whether in words or not. So is really uh, jhana something that we receive, rather than we seek? In a way, we can say that jhana is something that we receive because it's the, it's the fruit of some causes. So if we are trying to, 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 to get the jhana, then we are, if we put the proper causes, then the jhana also will appear. So there are different factors for the jhana to appear. And uh, sometimes we can have the impression that we receive it like if we are in a very conducive uh, environment where you have people meditating, then as soon as you arrive there, then your mind calms down and it is very propice. It is very uh, supporting for your mind to become concentration, concentrated. So in that sense, you receive, you don't receive the jhana, but actually you put the proper conditions for the jhana to arise. Same thing if you meet a very, very good meditation teacher or someone who has a very good uh, meditation, then just the fact of being with that person, you will get into a state of mind. So the, 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 the person may have some influence on you. This is true. So in that sense also you are receiving it. But actually you don't receive it. It's just some, it, it is just that because the conditions are there, then uh, your mind uh, gets also access to it. 
But the quality of gratitude, what is the gratitude? Gratitude is the appreciation of something that we have received. And uh, the, the, the characteristic I will say about gratitude is a, is a contentment and a kind of appreciation of uh, what we have, what we got. And uh, so the, the contentment of gratitude is, uh, is really fulfilling our mind. And uh, this kind of uh, humble position that our mind is, when we are having gratitude, can also uh, support the, the, the state of jhana. So when we receive something, we are grateful. And then by being grateful, we appreciate the generosity, we appreciate the gift that was given to us. So we are more open, because we are open to the gift that we have received. We are open also to the, to the other person who has given us the gift. So the openness and then the letting go of, okay, now I want to control. And so jhana is not, it's something that is a little bit out of the control. So uh, it's controllable, but also uh, it's something that, uh, that needs to, uh, that is based on renunciation actually. So about giving, it is the same thing. If we are giving something, then we just let go, and then we just don't cling to the, all the, 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 the complications we are making, making mentally. We just let go. And, uh, and then the generosity will promote joy. The generosity will promote happiness, and that happiness will be very supportive to, to the jhana because there will be no remorse and just a sense of lightness because you got rid of something that... Uh, that uh, you liked, but actually you, you, you had uh, somebody else uh, receiving it. So it is both uh, aspects. Of when we receive something, by being grateful, we are in a very positive state of mind. And by giving something also, we are in a very uh, positive state of mind. And the Buddha said that uh, there are two things in the world that are rare to find. And those two things are people who have a sense of serving others. and. The other thing is that uh, people who are grateful, so gratitude is something uh, not obvious, and uh, it is said that it is rare. So sometimes it is difficult to express gratitude, whether in words or not. So what is important is not to express it, it is good, because we, we show it. But uh, to have it in our heart, to have that quality of gratitude uh, is more important because we are always receiving and we are not aware of it. We are receiving constantly from the earth, we are receiving from nature, we are receiving by people. All the time we are benefiting from, uh, from our environment. Uh, so to be grateful is a quality of the heart. Here is a technical question re relating uh, uh, con uh, relating pamoja, a Pali word, which means uh, happiness, bliss, and uh, delight. Yes, delight, de de delight. So the question is: uh, Does pamoja plays play any role in entering the jhanas? I know it is uh, mentioned as the proximate cause of pity in the. Upanisha Sutta, but I could not find the reference. 
of this one. I don't know if it's Sutanipata or Samyutta. Samyutta Nikaya. So anyway, there is a here. I will just remind you of uh, of a reference that uh, you probably know, but uh, it is related to Pamoja. That is delight and uh, yeah, delight and happiness. Yes, it's a kind of. Uh, what is the exact translation? Mm. Yes, delight, joy, happiness. Of, of the, it is also often combined with uh, with the joy, pity itself. So in the Anguttara, it it is uh, spoken about the the law of progress and uh, the story that uh, we have uh, heard before. For one who is virtuous and endowed with virtue, there is no need for an act of will. May non-remorse arise in me. It's a natural law, monks, that non-remorse will arise in one who is virtuous. For one free of remorse, there is no need for an act of will. May gladness arise in me. It is natural law that glad gladness will arise in one who is free from remorse. So here, the, the, I could not uh, check with the Pali, but uh, the gladness that is spoken about is the Pamoja. So the first uh, degree of gladness, the, third, the first uh, degree of delighting is uh, Pamoja. So after that, Pamoja arises. For one who is glad at heart, there is no need for an act of will. May joy arise in me. It's a natural law that joy will arise in one who is glad at heart. So joy here is probably referring to piti. And for one who is joyful, there is no need for an act of will. May my body be serene. It's a natural law that the body will be serene for one who is joyful. For one of serene body, there is no need for an act of will. May I feel happiness. It's a natural law that one who is serene will feel happiness. For one who is happy, there is no need for an act of will. May my mind be concentrated. It's a natural law for one who is happy that the mind will be concentrated, etc., etc. You have the, uh, the, 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 the rest of the progression uh, that you get in the meditation. But it goes, it's a progression that is uh, natural. And it starts with the, with the, the joy or the, the, the happiness that we get from the non-remorse from our actions. So the sila. The, 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 the peacefulness that we get from, the, from practicing or from having a good life is very supporting to make arise the, another type of delight that is a, a real delight, that is a mental uh, type of, uh, of uh, gladdening. So this is the, this is the Pamoja. So the Pamoja is causing uh, joy and then the joy also is, is causing uh, uh, there is a uh, there is a kind of uh, it, it is getting more and more subtle, and then at the end we have the the, the, the happiness is causing uh, concentration. So the happiness is actually the the pity that we are getting. We are so happy that uh, the mind is very concentrated because uh, everything is very balanced. So this is a cause. The pamoja is a cause for the for entering into the jhana. Also, the, there is a, that word also is used in the, in the, in the path of discrimination, the Patisambhidamanga, and uh, it is related to Anapanasati. So I will mention it briefly because uh, most of you are practicing Anapanasati. So uh, it says, uh, 
it says the, the, the way uh, how to develop, how the, the Anapanasati is developed. So it begins uh, like uh, one who is aware of the long in-breath uh, by extent. The first you are aware of the long in-breath as, in, as an extent. And then you are aware of the long out-breath as an extent in time. And then you are aware of the in-breath and out-breath as an extent, as a, as a duration or as a length of, uh, of time. Then from there, from there, when you are, when you are aware of your in-breath and out-breath, then, then you find it very interesting, so you get interested, you get, a, you get a desire, you get the will to practice. So from being aware of the long in-breath and long out-breath, then uh, you, you, you develop the desire to continue. So that desire is it, it, called chanda, the will. So then when you are uh, willing, when you really want to practice, then with that will, with that desire, then you breathe uh, long in-breath, and then you breathe out a short, uh, long uh, out-breath also. And then you breathe uh, in and out a long uh, in and out-breath. So uh, out of that, then a more subtle breath will occur. A more subtle breath of uh, in-breath and out-breath will occur, and then that breath will be connected with Pamoja. So when you have the desire, then very good desire, okay, now you observe in long breath, out breath, then the will to observe that, that breath, then, uh, then the delight will come, and then the joy also. So with the delight, because you are delighted in the practice, uh, you breathe in and you breathe out, and then uh, after some time the breath is still, the breath and the practice becomes more subtle, and, uh, and then they say that the equanimity is established at a certain point. So the last stage is equanimity, where the mind is so balanced that it can hold the object for a very long time. So the progression is, include, is including uh, the pamoja, the delight. So sometimes we have to see that uh, we are actually enjoying our meditation and that our meditation is bringing delight. It is important no, to try to, uh, try to put the conditions so that uh, uh, you enjoy and that uh, that type of delight is uh, is uh, is present as much as possible. It may not be possible to maintain it all the time, but at least mm, at least uh, it should be there. Here, two questions that are related to the same uh, thing. Uh, in the kaya, I think it's the kaya gata sati. Sutta, huh? Yes, yes. So it describes uh, you the phases like it is. It is related to the uh, to the description that I explained uh, last uh, Saturday with the the bat attendant. So this was uh, related to the first jhana. So here, the here they, they say that uh, in one of the sutta that I I will remind you the Karagata Sati that. The faces, the E is describing the, the four different faces that we get with the different jhanas, with also the simile. So the question is, 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 this relate, is this related at all to the four element meditation? So we will see the sutta, 
and uh, we'll see if it is connected with the four element meditation. So it is not connected with the four element meditation because it relates to the jhana practice. So the, they say that this sutta, the Karagata Sati Sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya, is uh, more oriented towards uh, somebody who wants to develop the jhana. So somebody who wants to develop the samatha. And in that case, the, the practice of the four element meditation will not uh, support one to, uh, to reach the jhana if, the, if that uh, object is, is there. The object has to be changed at a certain point so that uh, the object is supportive for the, uh, for the jhana. Like if you change to, if you are aware of body parts or the body, the, the color of the body, then, uh, then this is, uh, that has enough support to, to lead you to the four jhana. And here the, the, the jhana are described and it relates also to the, uh, to the, the, the other question is that just as you describe each element and its function uh, in the simile of the first jhana, could you please likewise briefly deserve? Describe, review the similes for the third, sec the third, the second, third, and fourth. So I would re review the simile again. You, uh, you probably all know them, but uh, just try to uh, to figure out the the, the 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 symbol that is behind the the pictorial uh, uh, the pictorial image that it wants to convey to us. Huh? It's a it's a simile, so it is a, it is symbolic. So we have seen the the bath attendant and the the bath uh, the, the bath powder for the first jhana, hmm? and uh, here we will say about the second jhana. So the second jhana. Uh, so the 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 the, the, the bhikkhu enters and abides in the second jhana, etc. And he makes the rapture. Or the characteristic of the ch of the second jhana is piti sukha ekagatta. So uh, the piti is the rapture and the sukha is the pleasure, he makes the rapture and the pleasure born of concentration, drench, steep, fill, and pervades this body, so that there is no part of his body, of his whole body, unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born of concentration. And then the simile is, just as though there were a lake whose waters wheel up from below, and it had no inflow from east, west, north, south, and will not be replenished from time to time by showers of rain. Then the cool fount of water welling up in the lake will make the cool water drench, steep, fill, and pervade the lake, so that there will be no part of the whole lake unpervaded by cool water. So just imagine what is the, 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 what is the, the, the description of that. So it describes a lake where there is no uh, inflow from anywhere from the lake and also uh, it is not replenished from time to time by showers of rain. And then uh, the cool fount of water welling up in the lake will make the cool water drench, steep, fill and pervade the lake. So I will say, I did not check but uh, I will say that uh, uh, you can also try to make uh, the simile uh, adjusted to your comprehension but uh, 
the lake has no inflow hmm, from the east, west or north, and also it is replenished from time to time by the showers. It is not replenished from time to time by sh the, the showers of rain. So you are feeding from the from the source. You are feeding from the from the pure mind, and this is a source that is welling up the, the lake with with cool uh, with cool water from within. And the lake of your mind is not filled with the shower of kilesas, the, the showers of the entrances, and also the fire or the excitement that of uh, of uh, vitaka vichara. So in the second jhana. There is no uh, applica initial application of the mind and sustained application of the mind. There is just the piti, the sukha, and then the ekagata. So you are completely shut off from, uh, I mean, not completely shut off, but uh, uh, all the input from outside is not there anymore, and you don't need that uh, sustained and uh, continued uh, application of the mind. And then the, 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 the mind is just feeding out of that uh, coolness arising from the piti deep within your heart. So, as I compare, as we compare, I mean, as the, the text was uh, saying that uh, the bath powder and the, the water that is uh, mixing the bath powder and make, making it wet and uh, uh, keeping it together is comparable to the, to the joy uh, and, the, and the happiness. So, also, the, the, the bowl was important in the sense that uh, the happiness and the joy will permeate the whole mind when the mind is, uh, is together with the object, when the mind is in the bowl. So uh, it's a little bit the same thing. So it is speaking here about the whole body. Huh? So it is obvious that, uh, that, the, uh, that it is related to, uh, to our physical body as well as our own. So that there is no part of this whole body unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born of concentration. So again, the, 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 the mental body is very important, and it's a mental process. So when the mind is, uh, is, is absorbed in the jhana, the mind is completely uh, filled with those qualities of joy and happiness. And then, because of the, of the quality of the mind, it has a side effect. It, has, it is also filling the body with joy and happiness. So when the concentration occurs, both the body is a body and the mind are fully uh, in the in the object, but here the the, 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 the the comparison is with the leg. So I'm sure you are able to uh, to uh, to figure out and try to experience it. You will see. So the third uh, the third jhana. The difference is that. Uh, so with the fading away of, uh, as well, of rapture, Ibiku abides in equanimity and mindful and fully aware, still feeling pleasure with the body. He enters upon and abides in the third jhana. So he makes uh, the pleasure, the destitute of rapture, drench, steep, fill, and pervade this body, so that there is no part of his whole body unpervaded by the pleasure diverted of rapture. Here the comparison is a. Uh, the same lake, but uh, just as in a pound of blue or white or red lotuses, some lotuses that are born and grow in the water thrive immerse in the water without rising out of it, and cool water drenches, steeps, fills, and pervades them 
to their tips and their roots so that there is no part of all those lotuses unpervaded by cool water. So here the so here the meditator is compared to, to, to a lotus flower that is in a lake. So there are there also the, the, the comparison is that the, there are some lotus that are growing actually inside the lake. So it's the, the roots is in the bottom of the lake and it's always pervaded with the water until it reaches the, 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 the surface of the water. But uh, actually even if some some flowers don't reach the, the, the they don't reach the surface of the lake. So in the middle of the water or under the water, then the flower is still there. So you have different types of flowers that are uh, still in the water, not immersed on the top. And then these flowers are just surrounded by the, by the water. And then, uh, so there is no part, uh, so there is no part of the, uh, <laughs> of the flower that is not uh, drenched in the fields with uh, by the cool water. And then so too the bhikkhu makes the pleasure divested of rapture, drench, steep, fill and pervade this body so that there is no part of his body unpervaded by the pleasure divested of rapture. So the, the, this, the description here seems to refer to something much deeper, that is the lotus does not depend is completely cut off of uh, the external simile. Uh, like in, in also, it is like in the deep uh, in the deep water of uh, of the lake, and then feeding out of the influence of the deep water. It does not even worry about the rains or not, whether there is wave or not. It doesn't matter. It is in the full. It is in the middle of the lake, and uh, it's not influenced by anything outside. And also, it is not disturbed uh, by the. By the by, the PT anymore. And then the the fourth comparison with the fourth jhana is that uh, uh, when somebody has attained the fourth jhana, uh, he has the neither pain nor pleasure and purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. So he sits pervading this body with a pure bright mind, so that there is no part of his whole body unpervaded by the pure bright mind just as though a man were sitting covered from head to down, from head down with a white cloth, so that there will be no part of his whole body not covered by the white cloth. So to a bhikkhu uh, uh, sits pervading the bo this body with a pure bright mind, so that there is no part of his body unpervaded by the, the pure bright mind. So uh, actually the white is not necessarily the color that uh, that we will have in our meditation, but the white is representative, representative of purity. It is also representing, uh, I would say, uh, neutrality. So when the mind is, a, is very pure due to a state of complete equanimity, a complete uh, uh, balance, then it's not colored by anything. It's not colored by the joy, it's not colored by the happiness. It is very neutral, but also it is white. It, 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 it can be symbolic of the white color. So, of course, here it is compared. The comparison is obviously uh, in regard to our physical body, like it's a cloth. We compare that to a, a cloth. But uh, we should not forget that uh, uh, both body, physical body, and then also physical, uh, mental body is, uh, is part of the process. So when the mind is really pure, when the mind is, 
is in that state of uh, of a meditation, then the also the whole body feels like uh, like uh, like repure and uh, feels like if it was covered from head to foot with uh, with very pure white clothes. So these are the similes. I don't want to, uh, uh, to take too much of your time about now that there are some more questions and maybe we will uh, try to see them the next time that uh, we, we, we discuss. Hmm? Uh, will you, will you, are you tired? Shall we take another one? <laughs> maybe we... Huh? Uh, do you have enough? <laughs> Shall we finish it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I will not finish it anyway. But uh, here there is one uh, one sheet with a lot of uh, questions that may we'll try to ensure the best. But it may be related to uh, it may be related to. Uh, I know it is not. It will not. Maybe, but it is. <laughs> it is related to the practice. Uh, are there some nimi- are there some nimitas the mind should not choose? Yes, there, there are some nimitas that, that the mind should not choose. So when the mind gets concentrated, it is natural that the uh, signs will appear. Like the mind is very calm, so some symbols or some very nice picture would appear because the mind is calm. So somebody may see very nice sceneries or very peaceful images or you know, things that are out of the normal. So those are visions, those are images, and those are also called nimitta. But uh, these types of nimitta should, should not be followed because they are not related to, to your actual practice. You know, it is not related to the, uh, to the subject of which you are giving yourself to. Like in the case of Anapanasati, the object is the bread. So uh, the nimitta that we are concerned with should be... Uh, the representation of, uh, of the initial object of uh, meditation. So if the, the nimitta, the image that is arising in your mind, you know, a bright or whatever quality of the image, if it's not related to the, to, to the breath, then it's not, it should not be followed. No? So if it's not uh, sure whether the, it is related to the, to the breath when you practice anapanasati, then make it uh, sure by coming back to, uh, to it and don't follow those things. I mean, it, it, it is just a sign that the mind is getting uh, more calm and more concentrated and more pure, but uh, they are not the limiters we are uh, talking about, we are aiming about. Uh, do they have to arise, those nimitas, directly at the breath, or uh, can they arise uh, spontaneously? So they, they, they will arise uh, spontaneously. You don't need to create them. They will arise also directly with the breath because they are, it's a rep- it, it, it is coming from the breath itself. Then uh, the nimittas, patibhaga nimitta, seems to move around a lot. Is this a problem? Should I try to keep them still? Yes. It's a, it's a little bit of a problem, and uh, it should, you should try to stabilize them. So if they move a lot, that means uh, you may, it may be better to go back to the original uh, meditation object. 
So the limita seems to change a lot. They may start as a circle, then turn into a blob, then into a point, then into a column of light. Is this a problem? Is this a stable limita? Mm. I don't know what we talk about stable, but it's not very stable to me. At what point, if any, should it not be considered to be a limita anymore? Uh, that is, when is it time to uh, return to the breath? So actually, if you find that it's time to return to the breath, that means you should have kept to the breath uh, longer before switching to that type of nimitta. Because uh, if the nimitta is not stable, that means the mind has not yet been uh, concentrated enough. So when the mind is stable, then the nimitta also is going to be stable. So first emphasize the, the, the initial object, and then when the initial object is, is, uh, is uh, strong enough, like the breath, then naturally the nimitta will be connected to the breath, and uh, then when the nimitta can, comes to be stable, and it's not changing, and it is occurring in dependence of the breath, then you consider to, 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 to change your mind, and then just to forget about the breath, and concentrate on the breath. So then you won't have the problem of, uh, of uh, the stability of the nimitta, or you won't have the problem also of, uh, of not knowing whether it's the limita or not. Can the field of a single color like uh, white be considered a limita? Yes, but uh, uh, for the breath uh, meditation, the color should not be uh, the should not be considered too much, and the form also. Like there will be form, and also there will be colors to your limitas, but uh, they should not be given uh, emphasizes. But the concept or the, the image of, of representing the breath, this is what has to be uh, given a predominance or con consideration, not the color. When the jhanic state arises after they have arisen, is the nimitta always present? So it depends of which type of uh, jhanic states you are attaining. Most of the jhana uh, have the nimitta, and uh, the jhana, the, the nimitta don't, don't disappear when the jhanic state uh, has been achieved. But uh, in some few exceptions, the nimitta is not, is not, it's not a nimitta, but it's uh, something else. Like in the immaterial jhanas, it's not really, not all the objects are called the nimitta. So, uh, I think they say practice make uh, perfect. So we should all continue to practice with uh, um, with with the delight and uh, and uh, perseverance and balance. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.